All right, so have you guys ever bought a, uh, a an oven before? No, no, never bought an oven, a range, a barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, also no. I'm actually in the market for one. Okay, I bought one today. Camp stove. I bought a camp stove. Okay, not, not a camp stove. I bought an actual oven uh, range today um, from uh, Warner Stellion. They're pretty cool. Have you guys been to Warner Stellion? Haven't. I mean, they're I know, super I know where nice. They are. Yeah. Um, it was very nice. The, the the gentleman Connor who sold us the uh, w- sold us the oven was very. I think he was relatively new. Um, he's very just really gung ho about selling us a fucking oven. I was like, listen, man, I just want a, a gas oven that fits in my space, and uh, that's all I fucking care about. And he was going off on like convection and like we bought we actually ended up buying an oven that you can actually like. There's like a a, a bake to convection translator thing. Like literally, like if you like. I don't know. It's fucking weird. We spent an extra like 120 bucks to get this feature for my wife who likes to bake. All I want to know is if you can fit six turkeys or more in there. Because if you can fit fewer than six, <laughs> what the fuck are you even doing with your money? I, that's a good question. We, we, you can only fit two probably in there. So That's some hot bullshit. Although it does, it does have, it does have an, in, an in-stove or in-oven meat thermometer. So like literally like... Like, there's like a little thing you can just poke into a bird or a ham or what like yeah. the, the geese that I'm that I'm gonna be cooking uh, for Christmas Day next year. Um, just poke it in, like it'll tell you the temperature like on a, a, a LED screen All right, that's on rad. the fucking oven. That's, so. that's high tech. I, I want to know. I'm gonna call horseshit on the that you only care that it fits into the space. But didn't you or Anna have any debate on color? Oh, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's like it's like a stainless steel. It's like it that's needs, it most of the, re- the, the rest of your. Well, it actually, doesn't it doesn't match the rest of our appliances? Like oh, this, it doesn't. Okay. this is the first of like probably like a very a, a small revamp of our appliances in our kitchen. So, I see. so yeah, we're 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 uh, we're looking forward towards the future. So. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't potted in a while, gentlemen. No. It's been about a month almost. Happy twenty twenty. Yeah, happy twenty twenty. Uh, it's an election year, so I'm gonna say this starting now and in literally every podcast we do this year. Fuck go Trump. vote, you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, and fuck Trump. Um, we did uh, we did put out a podcast on the uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, it was a a uh, Dave's I know slash Minnesota football show crossover podcast because um, our. My appearance on uh, on that podcast got canceled because of all that crazy ice that happened right after Christmas, and so uh, Eric and Bridget and I all got down to the Black Heart and recorded a, a very small, short podcast. So we did put something up before the end of the year, but uh, yeah, man, it's uh, good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you as well. And uh, hey, in the time that we weren't recording, Minnesota United actually signed some fucking players. <laughs> they did some shit. So we we're gonna talk about that. Wow. Um, this is the uh, this is the fourth year of the Dave's I Know podcast. Uh, this is episode 124 also, by the way. 
episode 124 of this wow. fucking podcast. This is a lot of my life that's just gone up in smoke. Literally and figuratively. So when do we get Cheech and Chong to guest then? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, so we uh, we have some cool stuff, I think, uh, uh, coming up this year for the Patreon. Uh, I think the Patreon is going to change a little bit. I haven't really talked to the boys about this yet, um, but I have some really cool ideas for it. Um, but if you like the content here each week, if you think you've learned a little bit more about our beloved Minnesota United, just want to support soccer in the Twin Cities in general, um, enjoy the high-quality content of audio. It takes me 45 minutes to fucking figure out how to put a track on our uh, audacity. Um, give us some money, assholes. Your Patreon dollars will go to help train Texas in technical difficulty awareness. Yeah, I can, uh, I can you know... Rent some YouTube videos or something. That's that's a thing, right? Renting YouTube videos. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I, I, but I'm, I'm I'm legitimately serious. Like I think we're we're we. I'm gonna I'm gonna tease it a little bit. But uh, I've been in contact with uh, somebody about brewing some Dave's I know beer. Um, that is gonna be a Patreon exclusive thing. Um, so just keep that in mind. Is if you are considering uh, wanting to join the Patreon, but. We don't want to talk about that shit. So, yeah, if you wanted to support it, patreon.com backslash the Daves I know. It helps support the Daves that you know. Now, to the more important things, we got some fucking players, boys. We do have some good ones, We got some fucking players, yeah. Um, Let's start first uh, with the MLS Super Draft. Um, We drafted a a few players in the MLS Super Draft. Uh, For those who don't know, the MLS Super Draft is a combination of two previous drafts. it's basically all the college players and all the young overseas players. That's not true. No? It's the college players. Is it, that's it? That's it, yeah. It's only college kids. Oh, I thought I thought, I thought it was a combination. My bad. No. I mean, some of them are international. Some of them are internationals, but it's but it's, it's only college kids. Oh, okay. My yeah. bad. No, that's all right. Uh, so we drafted uh, Noah, Noah Billingsley in the uh, first round of the MLS Super Draft. Um, he is a defender. Theoretically, he's apparently, according to the team, he plays across the entire back line. Um, but he's, I would imagine he's going to be depth for um, and probably playing most of his matches in Madison this year um, with Olmsberg. And, I mean, assuming we don't bring in a, a right back as a backup for Metonier. I mean, maybe he's on the roster if, he's, if, uh, if we don't have a backup for, for Metonier. But, anyways. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting case. He started his career uh, up top, actually, as a striker. Yeah. And was converted down to the defense. And honestly, I wish someone would have done that with Angelo Rodriguez, who can't score to save his life, but has really good ball awareness and is really excellent on defensive set pieces. So maybe this is uh, Angelo Rodriguez, but with a coach that actually believes in him and wants him to succeed instead of pointing and laughing when he can't find the fucking goal. He's also a New Zealand international. He's played, uh, I think he's played on the uh, national team with Michael Boxall. Um, Kiwi connection. Kiwi connection. Um, so he would we would require an international spot if he's on the on the Minnesota roster, which makes it much less likely that he's going to be on the Minnesota roster for most of the year. Or so yeah, I suspect what we'll see is Omsberg sort of cycle into the team, and uh, Billingsley go to Madison and fill in the Wyatt Omsberg yep. role. And honestly, that's not the worst case scenario. This is literally why Madison has an affiliation with Minnesota. United. Exactly, exactly. Um, we also drafted some. Do you have, MG, do you have anything else on Billingsley? I thought it was just hilarious on. Twitter, the number of positions people thought his primary or ideal position was. We, we got everything from this coach or this news outlet says left back, this one says right back, this one says center back, this one says backup number six, backup number eight, functions as a striker. Uh, I heard every 
all of those. So I, I just thought that was hilarious of like, not he's versatile, not he can play all these positions, but no, oh, we got our right back. We got our backup full left back, you know, and there was maybe one report that said he's can play anywhere on the back line. You know? <laughs> I think I saw someone call him a fly half, which I'm reasonably confident is a rugby position. That is a rugby position. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we also drafted some other kids. Um, we got a forward, uh, Matthew Bentley, and a midfielder, Ma- Andrew Booth, uh, both uh, internationals. Um, not sure if they have their green cards. Uh, MJ, do you have anything to shed on there? I have nothing to share other than they were drafted in the fourth round, which means they will be trialists. They will come in to training and some preseason games and kind of looking to strike gold or you know find that diamond in the rough. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, it's possible there hasn't been uh, – I'm, I'm trying to remember the, like, the most high-profile fourth-round pick that ever made it in MLS. I don't think there is one. So, you know, you take a flyer on these kids. You give you know, Maybe if you want to keep them in the system, you send them down to Madison. Um, a lot of these, uh, especially with uh, MLS teams that have MLS 2 affiliates or, uh, you know, in the USL, they draft, they draft players for the USL affiliate. So maybe these were guys that Madison was interested in. And, and, you know, if they know that they have a, a, a way to get them onto the team via Minnesota United, that might make a little bit of sense. So, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was never a chance of us repeating the draft that we had last year. Oh, yeah. Where we drafted our goalkeeper for the future and two likely U.S. internationals. I mean, I don't think it's hyperbolic at all to say that that may go down as one of the best drafts in MLS history if Dotson and Gasper hit anywhere close to their ceiling. For sure, in the last like five years, like yeah. that might this will be the best draft. Yeah, so so yeah, maybe this is a little bit uh, underwhelming, but hey, if Billingsley turns into a reasonable squad player, we get some good depth, and Madison develops some good kids. I think that's a win. Yeah, uh, we didn't draft anybody in the second or third round, and that was largely because. In previous drafts, we traded those to get the people from last year. So yep, yep, we traded up to get uh, uh, Hassani and yeah, we traded yeah. Up. I or uh, or Chase. I don't know. <clears throat> we traded for somebody. We gave away a couple draft picks. Anyways, um, the draft, the super draft. There's been talk about the super draft actually going away in the future, just because it's not really useful. A good function of yeah, getting talent into the league, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, we shall see if that actually happens going forward. Uh, another uh, signing uh, was first announced. It was announced uh, over a week ago, and then it actually was officially signed a couple days ago. Uh, James Musa, uh, 27-year-old New Zealand international. He does have a green card, so he does not count against international spots for Minnesota United this year. Um, on a free transfer, uh, he played uh, for the Phoenix Rising last year. He started, I think, in 19 of their 20 of their 20-game win streak or whatever. He started 19 matches. Um, and so he's uh he's got a little bit he's got a very minimal MLS experience, um, played I think a game for Sporting Kansas City. He's bounced around uh, the New Zealand leagues uh, and then the USL. Um, I called him a quad A player. So if you are not a uh, baseball fan, you might not get that reference. Quad A basically means he's not quite good enough for the major leagues. He's you know a little too good for the minor leagues. He's kind of like a quad A. Uh, Better that, than AAA. Better than AAA, but not quite a major league player. Um, does that uh, jive with what you guys understand about him? I mean, it certainly feels that way, given his career to date. I think one of the things that we've seen with guys like Mark Anthony Kay, uh, we'll have a chance to evaluate it with Greg Ranjit Singh this year. And USL players tend to be the guys who aren't at 18, 19, 20, 
immediately, obviously pros. It doesn't mean that they can't be really successful in MLS. Mm -hmm. It just means that they weren't there at the time that that window was quite obviously open for them. Sure. So, look, I really like this signing. It was dirt cheap. He's a guy that doesn't count against the international cap. He'll fill in the Lawrence Olam role, right? Like, he'll basically play the back line if, if somebody gets hurt, and that's kind of a desperation move. Could fill in at six or eight if he really had to. Perfect. And, he, and, he's, and he's cheap, and he can do all of this stuff, and he's yeah. cheap, and that's the thing. And he definitely was brought in with the expectation that he w he's behind Grey Goose, Alonzo, and Dotson. Um, he was brought in knowing full well that, that was that's where he is in the pecking order right now. So it's gonna give him it's gonna give him some some fire uh, to try and get on the pitch, you know. And you, know, you see, Dotson, you might we might lose Dotson for um, the Olympics, assuming the U.S. qualifies. I mean. It's very, I could see a very real possibility where da uh, Hassani Dotson makes that squad, as well as Chase Gasper, and that uh, opens up opens up some opportunities for a few weeks uh, in July for this guy to make a to make a run. And I mean, Ozzy Alonso, you know, he was amazing last year, but he's not going to stay that healthy again, I don't think. So there's uh, definitely opportunity for him to, to to make an impact for this team. Yeah, I mean, Musa very likely had several options that were in this range. You know, nobody's promising him starting minutes, but hey, here's an interesting. You know, a chance you can compete for your spot, you can compete for your minutes. And I think Minnesota probably does present the clearest path to his playing time just by virtue of the fact that, yeah, like you said, Ozzy's not going to be as healthy this year as he was last year. That's not pessimism. I think Greg Gray, 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 Gray gone for Euros, um, so there's a, there's a possibility there. Like he'll, he'll be making the bench a lot, uh, uh, I think a lot more than people probably anticipate. And I suspect he'll kill off quite a few games for us. So yeah. if, he, uh, if he can win a ton of aerials and clear balls really effectively, I think he'll start to see solid minutes and, and be a consistent part of the 18. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then Can the I big... Can one minute please. About, about Phoenix Rising? Please. So for those that don't know, Phoenix Rising, uh, based out of Phoenix, Arizona... Did he uh, a drug bus team? They, ha they have... Uh, they had a brief stint where they got both some promotional and, and uh, maybe a, a front office position plus uh, a veteran player assistance from a guy named Dieter Dragba. Um, so he was he was there for a while. He's not there anymore. He's he Dragba has retired. But you know a, a Thorn and Arsenal side for a long time. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, but th they have been one of the more uh, successful uh, USL championship teams. USL championship being the highest of the three USL tiers. Um, they were runners up in 2018 and won it all in 2019. So. Yeah, they went on a like a 20 match winning streak last year, where if they play, if they played on dollar beer night, they didn't lose, and so they just started doing every home game dollar beer night, and it was fucking amazing. Love lower league <laughs> soccer in the United yeah. States for, the, for things like that. I don't have their their stats right in front of me, but I believe, and this is a, a conservative estimate, between 2018 and 2019, they scored something on the order of 45 billion goals. They were the Pretty highest much. scoring team, I think, yeah. anywhere in the USL pyramid. They, it was incredible. They, Their they, games are a ton of fun to watch because defense is extremely optional. Also, uh, ES you can watch all USL games on ESPN Plus. So, like, you want to watch, like, a, I mean, it, it's, it, it really is like watching, like, you watch some of these matches. It really is like watching matches back at the Nessie. Where oh, absolutely. It's yeah. just, there's, like, 2,000 people. People are definitely wasted, and it's a great fucking time. So, And there's, like, two guys on the pitch, and you can always immediately pick out who they are, who absolutely will play in MLS at some point. They're yeah. unbelievably talented, and they are just tearing the league to shreds. Actually, yeah. Jack Blake was that guy yes, for he was. Uh, Real Monarchs last year. Yes, he was. Yes, uh, he was. Former, former Loon legend Jack Blake, Jack for those Blake. Of you who don't remember. Yes. 
Uh, all right. But Barry in the lead here, guys. Uh, Tyler fucking Miller. So oh, we, yeah. We got our goalkeeper, Vito. Uh, apparently rejected a, uh, according to, I think it was a, was a Reuter who uh, uh, tweeted out that um, that there was an offer made. Uh, he rejected it. There was a significantly higher offer made to make Vito Manone the highest paid, paid goalkeeper in the league. And he also rejected that. Um, and uh, so we got, uh, we got, we paid, uh, I think it was 150000 in GAM this year and like 50000 in TAM next year. Some combination therein. Um, for the rights to Tyler Miller, Tyler signed a two-year contract extension. Uh, they're estimating he's about four hundred thousand dollars. I think um, it's a little under. I think it's like three seventy-five. Yeah, so but yeah, right, in that right around there. Um, he got a U.S. Men's National Team call up last year. He spent last year with LAFC. If you don't remember, um, he's a really good goalkeeper. And uh, please, for the love of God, announce a uh, Dane St. Clair loan as soon as fucking possible. We want to hit, see. Uh, St. Clair get minutes, you know. Yeah, and he needs to get minutes for a, a championship side, um, and he needs to be playing regularly, basically. He, yeah, he absolutely does. For the future of this club, he needs minutes now. But in the short term, I mean, Tyler Miller's a hell of a signing. I think there were a number of clubs who were looking at him. I think a little bit like we said with Musa, he had some offers to choose from. Yeah. And look, I say this as we've established a diehard Arsenal fan, which meant I loved having Vito as the ex-Arsenal player on this squad. But if he's going to turn down a contract that's been rumored to be about a million dollars, we've heard it over 800K and we've heard about 1.2 million. So something in that a million dollar range. Like the team was well served by moving on, especially now getting a domestic player. Yeah. I mean, you look at those U.S. Cup games, and I expect United to take U.S. Cup very seriously again this year. Be good. Having to choose whether you were going to use one of your few international spots on your goalkeeper was not a great choice that the team had to make. Yeah. So, Put Miller back there. Uh, let him do what he does. Let St. Clair develop, whether it's at Madison or somewhere. He, Louisville would be like a dream. He, he needs. To, he needs to play. He needs to be, be uh, a place where he's playing regularly and ideally in the championship, um, where he's not getting called back. You know, at random random intervals or whatever. Um, you, you talked about uh, Miller. I mean, I think one of the other like, under. And you mentioned the international spot, which is I think highly underappreciated by Minnesota United supporters. Um, not having to use that on a goalkeeper is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And for those that don't know, the, the U.S. Open Cup has uh, limitations that MLS does not on yeah. how many internationals you can use. Even more restrictive. So, like, you can have, I think there's eight international spots uh, on an MLS roster. I think you can only have four internationals in Open Cup matches. It's something like it's, it's four or five. So, yeah, it's like in your, in, your, in your match day 18, you can only have four or five. Um, you know, internationals. Uh, so, um, you know, and Tyler Miller is, is, you know, he's shown himself to be a great keeper. And, yeah, and I know LAFC has a young a young kid that they are they want to attack. Tyler Miller is not that old. I think Tyler Miller is only like 26 or 27. 27, I believe. So, yeah. um, so he, you know, and goalkeepers, obviously, they, they tend to age like a good, like a good fine wine. They age well uh, as they get older. But so, only kept in cold, dark places. Yes, exactly. I mean, we are we are in Minnesota. Just, it is a true. cold, dark place right now. Um, so, so even if even if uh, even if so, you, you Dane St. Clair is the future of, of goalkeeping in, for Minnesota. Even if he like if he goes down to like you know say like uh, the you know Oklahoma Energy or something like that, and like and just really shits the bed, we have Tyler Mayer for two years. We could also you know theoretically extend him and keep him in into the into the fold. So it's not like. It's not like a veto. It's not like uh, you're you're getting like an aging Tim Howard where you know you have a two year window where you need to do whatever you need to do. 
Tyler Miller allows us uh, some, a little bit more flexibility with a goalkeeping position, which Vito didn't. So, As an Everton fan, I love an aging Tim Howard, but I'm the only one here that does. So, I like Tim Howard. He was a great goalkeeper for the Americans. I'm joking. I don't... He <laughs> It's <laughs> time for retirement has come. Yeah, but. and he, so he's you know he's uh, he's like the GM of the Memphis team in uh, in the USL. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, more power to him there. Yeah, I feel like with Dane St. Clair, we've preached this before, but he needs to go to a place where he's not just getting consistent minutes, but where he is the presumptive starter. Yeah. At this point in his career, uh, particularly with his first year in, as a pro, being a little bit on taxi squad, not getting full minutes as Madison was getting their feet under them, what he needs to do is know day in and day out, I am the starter, I am the owner of this defense, and start to learn what that means. You know, How do you develop a relationship with your defense? How do you... You know whether they're building out from the back or how do you work your distribution, but it's so much of that stuff that you really can't get without consistent game minutes. And then knowing Wednesday, Thursday up to a Friday or Saturday game, what do I need to do on these days to be ready to kick ass when the the whistle goes? Yeah. The uh, so so I think I would. I mean, I'm giving a grade to the Tyler Miller signing. I'm, I'm giving it an incomplete because until we know what's happening with Dane St. Clair. I don't think we can actually grade this thing because if Dane Sinclair doesn't get a a, a long like a, a year long loan someplace where he can play every single match or as many matches as possible, um, I think this is like this is like a probably a B minus. If we get uh, news of a Dane Sinclair loan to say Tulsa or Memphis or Chattanooga, or Chattanooga or someplace where he can play every, we know he's going to play. Every minute, as as or as many minutes as humanly possible, then I'd bump it up to an A in like an A minus probably in terms of a signing. Yeah, I really like this signing. I mean, I would give it a B plus, irrespective of what happens to Madison. Or, sorry, irrespective of what happens to Dane St. Clair, who I think will go to Madison. Their starting keeper, uh, Brian Sylvester, got uh, sold to Miami, I believe. So they need a full time starter, and I think that will be DSC. Yeah. Uh, but Tyler Miller is domestic. He's really talented. They got roster flexibility with him. I think it's a really good move. The loan will take it from B-plus to A territory for yeah. me. But I think saying, well, this is entirely dependent on what they do with Dane ignores the fact that this is a fucking good signing. And looking at players like Opara and Alonzo, they do need to be good this year. Yeah. Like, this isn't just a rebuilding team. Yeah. It's not Joe Hart. It is not Joe Hart. <laughs> it is extremely important to note that that move would have sucked shit. Yes, it would have. I also agree that that would have sucked shit. All right. All right. Uh, so we're talking about some, some people who have not quite yet signed, but uh, theoretically might sign. Luis Amaria. Um, he uh, has been in the news uh, here in Minnesota recently. Of course, the last basically two weeks. Um, 24-year-old, 24-year-old uh, Paraguayan. Um, apparently drew some interest from Colo Colo, uh, which is in uh, Chile. Um, Poor Mark Fangmeyer, who feels like he's just been jerked around. Yeah. So the, the, we heard that he was flying into town on Thursday. I have not seen jack shit about him being in town. I did not run into him in the no, elevator. No, yeah. no, no airport photos, you know? <laughs> no airport photos. Um, so now we're hearing that uh, Gremio might be interested uh, in him, which is in the. Are or, they in the, the Brazil Syria or. Yeah, Syria. They're okay. in fourth place. Okay. They're okay. legit squad. Okay. Uh, Porto Alegre, Brazil, and and my uh, Brazil scout named Eric Silva-Brenneman says they make Copa Libertadores uh, every year. Okay. They live there. So okay. they're a perennial competitor 
in, in Syria every every year. Very good. I'm not so, gonna lie, like having a side like Gremio be interested in a player, I think is a boon. I mean, even Colo Colo is, is a is a yes, like uh, well known yeah. club. Um, so he's he played. Uh, he's a uh, uh, he's got a, a contract, two years left on his contract with his Argentinian club, uh, Vales. Sarsfield, they're in Buenos Aires. Um, he played last year in the Chilean Premier League, uh, Primera League, um, with Universidad Católica, um, which is a slightly less uh, arduous right. league than the Argentinian league, obviously, and, and, um, and the Brazilian league. However, Colo Colo, the other Chilean team that's interested in them, yeah. would be a step up. Yes, they would. From, from yes, from and playing uh, in Libertadores, uh, he scored 19 goals last year, so. Duke can put the ball in the back of the net. In 24 it, games, I think? Yeah, and we saw with, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the uh, Dortmund, the Borussia Dortmund game this weekend, uh, Erling Holland, um, who went from playing in the Austrian, uh, the you know, first division in Austria yeah. to the first division in the Bundesliga and scored a hat trick in like fucking 20 minutes yeah. uh, in, the, in the German, in, uh, in you know, their uh, Borussia Dortmund's match. So, so it's there's a uh, you know he kid's relatively young. Um, obviously yeah. he's got he's got his two years on the contract. So um, everything it would be I, great if we could get him. Everything I've read, it would, striker. Everything I've read, this would be like a loan with like an option to buy at the end of the loan for like a loan for a year with the option to buy. Um, kind of what uh, when LA Galaxy skirted the rules with uh, what's his nuts last year. Romario Rivara. No, uh, no LA Galaxy. They they signed that kid oh, from uh, Christian Pavone. Yeah, Pavone. Yeah. Um, but so, they extended the loan. They didn't buy him yet. Yeah. So, but he's technically a DP now. Which he was not a DP last year, which is a whole fucking other other can of worms. Anyways, what do you guys think about uh, Luis Amaria possibilities in uh, in Minnesota United's attack? Just to piggyback on what Dan said, uh, the fact that these other clubs in South America are looking at him, really good clubs, shows a little credit to the front office of MNUFC. Um, everyone knows I've been very critical of them in the past, but like maybe their scouting is getting better. You know, the fact that they're looking at someone that al- also is being looked looked at by these other quality teams, um, I think, says something about that. Um, I think he would be a great number nine, um, either to use behind a solid number ten or a toy as a second striker. I think he's a really interesting player. I don't know if you guys watched the tape on him. And, like, I'm the worst about scouting YouTube. So I will wholeheartedly admit that I am basing this entirely off of, like, I believe it a seven-and-a-half-minute YouTube video that almost certainly had terrible techno that I muted instantaneously. Um, 19 goals in 24 games is a hell of a return. No one's going to dispute that. Uh, it is worth noting, though, I believe that is the lowest golden boot total that league has had in like five years. Just it's an extremely, again, defense optional league. Shout out to Colin O'Donnell for finding most of these stats, <laughs> by the way. Uh, formerly of, formerly <laughs> of the, the Two Nights fans podcast. Um, yeah, fuck that podcast. But Colin O'Donnell's a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the numbers are what they are, and yeah. he found them. So I'll, go, I'll, I'll always give, I'll give credit to my sources. Congratulations, right. Colin. You've been promoted to source. <laughs> The other thing, if you watch the video, is the defense is not quick to close down. No. So he's a player that has has historically had a fair bit of a time on the ball. Now, he's really good with it. So I don't want to say that he's bad and we shouldn't be signing him. And if Gremio and some of these other clubs are interested in him, I think that's validation because they obviously know the league way better and they're not worried about it. Uh, the one thing I did see that I'm super into off the tape is he is definitely the type of player who is going to try things. Uh, 
he's a big fan of back heels. He'll not mega player. Uh, without resorting to South American stereotypes, there's definitely a little bit of an Ibsen. There's three players around me. Screw it. I'm going through. Try and stop me. Character to him. And I like having that attitude. I think it's good to have this guy. Darwin had that attitude. He did. And in 2018, it was amazing because he was dribbling through defenses and chipping keepers, and we were all screaming our heads off. And in 2019, he was dribbling into cul-de-sacs and losing the ball, and we were all screaming our heads off, but not in praise. Not in praise anymore. And I think that's the thing. Look, when you've got a player with that type of a mentality, you take the bitter with the sweet. You take the holy shit, I can't believe he pulled that off with the oh my god, do you have Why, a break what are you, or did you mortgage What it? the fuck are you doing? Right. I, ex exactly. Yeah. And so if Amaria does show up, I suspect I suspect there will be a growth curve with him. We will get a bunch of those moments of him go of going, you really haven't figured out this league yet. And then every so often, we'll get the okay, I get it. I see what they saw. He he won't have the same time and space in MLS. No. Against MLS defenses that, that he had no, in Chile. Uh, no, he'll, it'll be I, – I assume at some point he will get taken out with some absolutely merciless tackle, and that will be his sort of welcome to the league. And we've seen that. It happens in, in every league, every sport where you can switch countries entirely and still play the same sport. There's an adjustment period. There just flat out is. And, and it usually takes some horrible occurrence to really get guys thinking, okay – this isn't what it was. I got to learn this, the tactics for this new league. All right. Um, we're going to take a break. Uh, we will come back. We'll talk a little bit more uh, speculation about Minnesota United, what they're planning on doing. Uh, we also have some news about the first homegrown player uh, and then uh, some CBA stuff as well as some other United news. So we'll see you in a second. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're going to talk uh, uh, future stuff now. Um, Minnesota United, uh, Adrian Heath actually showed up on ESPN and said that there was going to be a new DP attacker or there, a new designated player in seven to seven days. That was about three, uh, you know, three to four days ago. So it's about four to seven days now um, uh, that there will be another designated player coming into Minnesota. Um, what do you guys think? Is, is that... What, that's not Louis, and that's not Luis Amaria. That it would be somebody else. Yeah, I think in all likelihood it's going to be a ten. Uh, particularly if you assume Amaria is in the fold, which allegedly personal terms have been agreed to there. And I, I don't know why that deal isn't done, but it's not done, done. So, but assuming it's it's good and enough done, and he, what Heath meant was an additional player there. I think it's got to be a 10. There's no way you're bringing in Toy, Red Hot off of last season, Amaria, and then a DP, and not playing like a 4-4-2 or some other formation that he's pretty much not going to be comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, no. So I think we can reasonably assume it's going to be a 10, which interestingly to me pushes Molino to the bench, and Molino has been a stalwart whenever he's been healthy. Of, well, he uh, can play, Molino can play on the wing if he needs to. If he needs to. He's certainly more effective through the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, maybe that's Heat's plan for a left winger that pushes Chacon a little bit. Maybe that puts uh, Lude on the right, which would be nice to see him on the right to see what he can do. I mean, I think, uh, Danny, I think you dropped this into a, a Slack channel that we're part of um, Alessandrini to uh, Minnesota United. I mean, so for those of you who don't know, Roman Alessandrini was one of LA Galaxy's 
14 DPs that yeah. they had last he year. Also, he absolutely fucking murdered Minnesota United regularly when Re- he played against us. Repeatedly. Yes. Uh, he murdered very good us player. Very good player. many times. Uh, however, early last season, I believe five games into the season, tore his meniscus and missed the rest of the year. This was his third major knee surgery he'd had. Um, so he was cut by Galaxy today. Uh, today being uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, the 20th. That's the actual date <laughs> yes. number it is. Had to buy myself a little it's bit of 20, time. It's, it's 2020. 20, yeah, it's 1-20-2020. Yeah. Uh, so he's available. He's a player who's strongly left-footed, could play in that left-wing spot. And push Lude into his actual natural right-footed position and yeah, right wing. I, I, honestly, I think it's a given that Lude will end up playing over on the right. I think United is invested it, too much money in him. Is it? A, is it a given? <laughs> I think it should be. I mean, uh, yes. It whether it should be and whether it is are two entirely separate statements, my friend. I mean, that's that's fine. I also disagree with Dan that I think Molino works best on the right wing, not through the middle. So that's you know. I really, I think they could compete for the same spot. All right. Yeah, I love the idea that this team has three right wingers and no natural left winger. That feels about right for the way our roster construction I mean, we, has we, gone so far. We don't have a left winger. That's the whole fucking point. We have we have like nine right wingers and we don't have a fucking left winger. It's like the presidential collection. Yeah. That's so. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Not yeah. until at least November. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think it's an interesting challenge, right? Like, if you bring in someone like Allison Drini, you're really banking on him being healthy. He's 29. So, unlike goalkeepers, attackers do reach kind of a natural ceiling, and he's sort of getting towards it. Yeah. Um, you know, you worry about how healthy that knee is. Honestly, a torn meniscus, even for a soccer player, I'm surprised it kept him out as long as it did, which does make me wonder if uh, after the Pavone signing and some other roster shenanigans yeah that's probably a charitable term for it the galaxy pulled last year i mean it's entirely possible that he was healthy towards the end of the season and and galaxy went boy your knee really sure does still hurt roman doesn't it and he went yeah in order to keep getting a paycheck which no shame in that game no get get paid motherfucker yeah i would be worried i would if i were the one running his medical which thank god i'm not i would (laughs) I would be pretty concerned about a knee that had three operations on it. It's not a fail to me. It doesn't mean that I'm not signing off on that deal. But what I want to see is really, really good rehab notes. I want to see that he, he paid a ton of attention to it last year. And honestly, like, I'd rather them go out and get a true left winger from somewhere else. Don't just dig around MLS to find the guy that happens to be lucky available at the time you need him. Uh since this team has gone to MLS, we have a history of buying players with knee surgery or knee injury issues. Uh, Kevin Molino is the first one that comes to mind. Ethan Finley. Um, Ethan Finley, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we have bought a lot of players. I want to I want to say uh, several of the players that are no longer with us, but we're on that kind of first day opening day. Roster like Giuliano Vizincidi, uh, Basham Kadri, maybe, um, someone like that. Kadri's brought in after the not an opening day. He was not your opening day, but but it was like oh, yeah, Josh Gad, tremendous upside. But he had a knee knee surgery back in this or knee injury back in this year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the truth is injuries are a great way to get a discount on a player. I mean if you got a player who can perform consistently at their ninety to hundred percent level and has no injury history, we call that player playing in Europe, like. 
so you look at some of these guys that are super talented. I think Iko Parra is actually a perfect example, not so much with yeah. a knee, but a guy whose injury history is what made him available. And Ozzy Alonso. Ozzy Alonso, too. Yep. I mean, Ozzy, I think his age was what finally kind of aged him out of Seattle. Yeah. But, you know. But it was like, definitely, like, his history of, like, yeah, he wasn't able to stay on the field for, you know, 20, more than, like, 26 matches, which is pretty much what he gave us last year, you know? Exactly. So. And, and, I mean, he was remarkably healthy last year. I think it was one of his better I was seasons. impressed with how, how many games Ozzy played last yeah. year, and I hope he can do the same thing this year. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I, I would hope so, too, but I think the fact that Asani Dotson can play an extremely credible six is something that should give the team the ability to say, hey, Ozzy. Just sit this one out. Like, yeah, let's, let's. We can be a little more proactive. I think early in the season, and I don't. This is not a shot at the front office at all. I think early in the season they saw Ozzy as the answer at six, and they didn't necessarily know what they had behind him. I think having seen Dotson be extremely credible there probably gives them the ability to say, you know, hey, this is an away game to an Eastern Conference team. Ozzy, just stay home. Don't yeah. don't bother with the flight. Don't worry about that kind of stuff, and have Asani step in there. So. You know, Adrian keeps saying he needs more time and more players, and it uh, seems like they're going to get – he obviously got more time. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He seems like he's going to get more players, so this is a kind of make-or-break thing. Um, one other note, uh, Minnesota United makes their first homegrown player signing per Andy Grader. Uh, this is actually announced today, uh, on Monday the 20th, um, and so you're going to hear it first from us. No other soccer podcast is talking about this right now. We're the only ones. I'm going to get this shit up tonight. And, uh, yeah, you hear this uh, first thing Tuesday morning. But yeah, Breaking news. Yeah. Goalkeeper Fred Emmings, uh, he's uh, 16 years old in February. Uh, he's already 6'5 and, like, 210 pounds. Um, he's a St. Paul kid. He's Marion Park, so he's not too far from the stadium. Literally probably could kick, kick a ball from his house to the, the stadium. Uh, play Blackhawks. With, play for the Blackhawks. Uh, got a U.S. Uh, U.S. youth national team call-up back in January of 2018, and he is the first homegrown player signing uh, uh, via Minnesota United FC, probably playing with the 17 and under team. I'm guessing he probably will make some appearances for Madison, um, and we'll see what he, what his uh, development is uh, in terms of, like, you know, where he sits on the on the bench. Um, maybe, maybe for, uh, you know, the uh, German-friendly that they have coming up against whatever the fuck team. Aug- is it Augsburg? Augsburg. Yeah, wow. That team that just got They're fucking Augies. yeah. The, the team that just got fucking rocked by uh, by Borussia Dortmund. Um, yeah. So to be fair, way better teams than Augsburg have also gotten fucking rocked by Dortmund that's, recently. That's fair. So yeah. So that's so it's, this is this is fantastic news. Um, we definitely. I mean, there are soccer talent. There is soccer talent in in Minnesota. Um, obviously, Jackson Ewell. Um, lots of other. Uh, like Teal Bunbury. We, have, we, we we Minnesota has produced good soccer talent. Um, we don't have a Division One uh, soccer program, men's soccer program in the state right now. That probably will change when St. Thomas goes D one, um, which I'm thinking will happen in the next. Uh, well, probably not next year, but the year after. Um, so there will actually be a D one men's soccer program in uh, Minnesota. Um, but we've sent a lot of players to Creighton and to other other schools around the, the country. So this is a good. This is, I think, a great a great signing for Minnesota. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, it's always great to get somebody into the fold, particularly at such a young age. Honestly, I think this is a huge credit to uh, to the people who are working with the youth team, just because the, we know the academy setup is not what it will be in three to five years. You know, it's Minnesota doesn't. To be fair, Minnesota does not have a U nineteen team yet. 
Right. I mean, like, like the, U17 is what they have right now, and then next year I think they'll probably graduate to a U19 team. So yeah. So so I mean, it's been a little ad hoc. It's not Dallas. I mean, let's let's be a little bit realistic about this. Yeah. So the fact and that there's already talent that United can identify and say, hey, we're we're willing to draft. You know, and we're never and we're never going to be Dallas or Sporting Kansas City for that matter in terms of like youth development. But I think there are there is definitely a lot of opportunity for players in Minnesota to um, be identified by the team and not just in the Minnesota United Academy but like in, in other uh, in other soccer academies throughout the throughout the state yeah. this was a very robust youth soccer community it absolutely I, I, I found out from other people well I mean the US Open Cup whoops no the Schwanz Cup Schwanz sorry Cup, yeah. I forgot what the new name was yeah I think it's proof that there has always been a, a strong soccer it's, lar- it's, a, it's the largest uh, youth soccer tournament this side of uh, the Atlantic Ocean like it's the biggest soccer tournament in the world Outside of like you know Europe, like in the North America, in the in the Americas, it's the biggest soccer youth soccer tournament ever. So yeah, I mean it's it's a big deal here, and I think I think we're only going to start to see more of this, particularly as the academy formalizes. And I don't I hate to use the phrase acquiring players for the U8, but I mean when there is a, an apparatus to get and and follow those players from really young ages. I mean the reality of soccer scouting is it starts stupidly young. Yeah. So the more united can I mean, be it should. part of the game, yeah. the better off they'll be. Yeah. Uh, MJ, do you have anything to add on this? Uh, I would argue that uh, on a very 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 weak tangential that that the first homegrown player that Minnesota United ever had was Harrison Heat. Um, I'm gonna fight you when we're done here. Yeah, that's that is not. <laughs> it's a technicality. This is the first homegrown player from Minnesota United's academy. I understand you're trying to make a joke there, but it's a terrible joke. <laughs> All right. Um, he was an H from Atlanta. He was a homegrown player. Well, so so is Colin Martin from DC United. Colin Martin was the first one. Oh, does does he predate? He predates Harrison Heath. I yes. actually was not trying to make that second level joke. So, yeah. anyway. So, yeah. So, technically. I, I um, wasn't trying to be that clever. All right. So, uh, our next topic. No CBA news is good news. Um, if you're not aware, uh, the MLS CBA is up uh, as of yesterday, I think. Um, so, there's the team is op- the MLS is operating without a CBA right now. Um, the fact that the team is – that the players are not striking right now uh, – I think is a good sign uh, that there is probably progress on the CBA. However, there is definitely a lot of uh, moving parts in terms of that. And um, one of the things that uh, the athletic posted uh, a couple, maybe about a week ago, um, there are ongoing discussions with uh, the league is, is trying to like make a youth, uh, a young DP clause where you have to have, you have to have at least one DP under 23 years old and a whole lot of other, other things. Um, Again, I'm just going to say, no CBA news is probably good news. Uh, as people, um, Dan and I have obviously followed baseball for a long time. MJ, you are a hockey person. I also love hockey. And um, seeing lockouts is not great. No, no. It's I the mean, worst possible I, thing I, I, ever. I remember the baseball and, strikes, too. And, yeah. and, and uh, you know, the, it's it's not fun when, when your season isn't happening. You know, you have to put an asterisk by who won the World Series because there wasn't one, you know. And so we, I agree with you. No, no CBA news is good. Collective bargaining agreement news. I think the best sign we've got is yeah. No, no news is good news. Although as we talked about a couple episodes ago, neither of these sides has really clothed themselves in PR glory. So it may just be that no news is no news. It's also true. But today was the first day of the league year, and teams across the board had images of players who are in the union 
reporting, looking great. So none of their union heads are going to them and saying, hey, don't show up. Hey, don't take your medicals. Hey, you know, we're probably not going to play this season. Like, do what you need to do. So the fact that everybody is operating business as usual, I think, is a really good sign. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Other unities. Wing kit. Guys. We are going to get a fucking wing kit this year. I'm so I am so unbelievably stoked about this. I am shaking at the table. It's it uh, it was confirmed by Andy Grader. Uh, there's a uh, unveiling of the kit on Sunday, February 9th, which is the same time as the uh, uh, Surly Minnesota United Boot Soccer Tournament, which the Daves have had teams in the past. If you're interested in playing on the Daves I Know team, let me know so I'll, I'll sign us up for a, uh, a team. Um, the, the the actual the kits will actually be uh, shown I think for the first time ever uh, four days earlier during uh, New York Fashion Week <laughs> there'll be uh, super hot models walking around in uh, in kits in New York I really wish they would just actually would hire supporters to come like fly us out there like like put like put a kit on me don't put a kit on some uh, on some like six foot one dude who's cut as shit like put a kit on me who's like you know five seven little you know got a little bit of belly you're good um you know uh like because that's that's who's gonna be buying these kits not six foot one models who have like who have like you know an 18 pack uh in terms of abs so what part of marketing don't you understand i you know, i know all of the things about marketing no. yes i want to i want to market to the people who are going to buy the thing Right. I mean, there's actually some wisdom in that. I mean, this is not going to get turned into a marketing podcast, but I don't actually hate that idea. <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> no. um, have some realism in your marketing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and know your target audience. This yes. actually is the listen, first rule of marketing. I'll, I'll walk down the... I'll, I can... I, I Listen, I can walk. I can walk down a runway. I can have... I can hold a beer and walk and do the, and drink a beer while like wearing a kit. It's totally fine. I'm happy to do it. Minnesota United, if you want to send me out there, just let me know. Can you do the um, spin and look over your shoulder, though? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Even. That, you heard it here, guys. I mean, maybe. David's going out to New York Fashion Week. Maybe not four beers in, but definitely three beers in. I definitely could do that. So I don't know if the more authentic thing is to have you holding a scarf or to have you holding like two beers in one hand. Two, be- two beers, uh, or sorry, a beer in a hand and my kid in the other hand, and like yeah, that's spinning. That's if I want to see a kid in action, it's not on Jan Gregoosh, it's not on a model, it's on Zeller with a beer, his kid, and trying to figure out which one he can put down to hold up a scarf for a quarter. Listen, there's a, there's a really amazing picture of me uh, at Blackheart Bar, which we are recording at. Um, uh, and uh, it's it's me uh, holding my a beer and my kid in like one in each hand, like early in the se- like early in the season. And I think it was Robert Morgan took the picture. He's like, I don't know which one he loves more. I was like, that's yeah, that's a that's a fair point. So, um, so anything, so wink it. That's fucking amazing. It's 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 taken so goddamn long, but it's uh, it's apparently confirmed. Four year plan. Yeah. Adidas, Heath had a three-year plan. Apparently, Adidas had a four-year plan. It's not great. Honestly, I'm shocked this ever happened. Uh, Adidas has shown almost outright hatred for MLS teams. You look at the jerseys that have leaked so far this year. They're god-awful. The Nashville jersey is just like Columbus, but like piss-colored. Yeah. Like even more piss-colored than Columbus. It's <laughs> like there's no creativity. It's like, oh, here's a template we built for uh, – the, all the youth teams we served this year, and it ha- now has MLS badging on it. Congratulations. Give us $170. Before we get back to the wing kit, the, the, there was shown a template, and we've seen little bits of it, the, the three Adidas stripes on the right shoulder. 
um, asymmetric, just the three Adidas stripes on the right shoulder as a theme. Yay or nay? Do you guys like that idea? I mean, it's going to be on the wing kit, so so whatever we say has to be colored by the fact that we'll probably be wearing it come February 10th. I kind of sure. like it. It looked it looked fine on the Miami jerseys. It looked less good on like Cincinnati's. I, I, yeah, I think it really depends on the coloring and all that. My, my concern is depending on the depending on which colors and and, and and the location of the wing is like with a, a, a block background. It looks great. It adds some some texture, and it might be too busy with with, with a wing. But I reserve all my judgments, including my anti-Adidas bias, for until I see the kit in person. So. Yeah, I mean, until they get Puma kits, like then I, you know, whatever. The one thing I do like about the three stripes is if they go back to VAR for a potential handball and they can see that the ball hits the color instead of the black sleeve, then it's pretty clearly not a handball. So I'm like I'm entirely here for uh, for kits designed around whether or not something is a handball and just VAR consistency until VAR can figure its shit out. Let's let's get the league involved. Let's get Adidas involved. Let's do whatever we have to do to make this less a clusterfuck. Um, we we can get down to like shoulders will be zone one. They must be colored this and I'm like, totally here for it. Will be will be zone two. You know. Arms zone three. But honestly, I mean, so we, like the, the whole point of bringing up template kits is there's very few other teams in the entire fucking world that a wing kit works as a template for. So the fact that I don't know if it was the league, I don't know if it was Minnesota United, but somebody finally got Adidas to break out of the template and just put the fucking wing on the kit probably took an unbelievable amount of work. And I hope they sell out every home game. I hope they make a fucking mint on these kits. And I don't even care if a dollar goes back to the team. Just keep making the wing kit. It was so good. I don't know why they ever went away from it. The fans have been asking for it for years. That's true. Um, every fan except for one. There's one fan on on Twitter, uh, Jamie Campbell, who hates the wing kit. He's, he's the... He, uh, at, at, at 007 Napoleon on Twitter fucking at, at that motherfucker and tell him he's wrong wrong as shit to, to be, to I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to dox a motherfucker right now dox dox his shit did, did, he, did he really hate the wing kit or, yes, did, he, he just, or did he just love the M- Manchester City blue no, sky, he, sky blue kit I mean he just hates the wing kit for some reason okay. some random random fucking reason so yeah dox that motherfucker um, alright our lawyers are telling us that the Daves you know do not endorse doxing by any stretch of the imagination oh, yeah, that's true yes yeah lawyers say do not dox him but please dox him <laughs> um, alright so <laughs> other, some other United Minnesota United uh, along with 18 other MLS teams signed an agreement with a sport drink company called Body Armor have either of you ever had this? No, I've not. They're the I don't s- drink sports drinks. So they're the sec- I, they're, I'm not the target market for this. Well, they are the second largest sports drink provider behind Gatorade. I thought it'd be Powerade, but apparently not. I mean, the Powerade Cool Ice—it's a fucking, it's a legit, a legit drink. The the Powerade Zero Cal stuff is way better than Gatorade. Yeah, I can't say that I've tried Body Armor or know what their product. I have, line I don't is think I've ever seen Body Armor anywhere. Um, 
As if Gatorade apparently has 70% of the uh, sports drink market. <laughs> and Body Armor is the second largest uh, behind them. It's a four-year deal. Uh, one other like interesting fact, Kobe Bryant is on the board of directors of Body Armor. So. so when you put that in the notes, I seem to recall that he's not the only one. I think there's a bunch of athletes who have signed Probably. on to this. Yeah. Which then sort of makes some sense because you have built-in endorsers. And it saves your marketing budget up front. Yeah. God, I said this was Brand a marketing podcast. Yeah. Brand ambassadors, Dan. All right. Influencers. So let's, so let's, influencers, MJ. Let's talk about... Yeah, fucking influencers. Let's talk about the uh, the greatest influencer, uh, Adrian Heath. He can influence. Um, so, as was, you know, talked about previously, uh, Adrian Heath got more uh, more time. Uh, he's going to get more players. He was extended through 2021. Two-year so, deal. So, so to, let's, let's set the stage here. Uh, Adrian Heath had... A team option for 2020, um, and basically what the team did was they gave him a contract through 2021. They extended him with a team option for 2022. Um, yeah, and they also gave him more say over player uh, acquisition, so he gets sort of like the final say on whether a player is brought into the team or not. Yeah, he's he's now become this. Head coach slash vice or final general manager role. He's well, he's not well, he's not the he's not the player development or player acquisition person, but he does have he does have final say in in terms of like when they're bringing it. They they're gonna go to Adrian and say, hey Adrian, we're bringing this guy in. Are you are you okay with that? Um, so yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I I mean I have thoughts. I would I, I would defer to you guys to uh, have have your. A conversation before I uh, spout my uh, my vitriol towards it. So, I think we knew that this was coming. Yeah, as, of course. As soon as Minnesota United made, honestly, probably the U.S. Open Cup semifinals, as for sure, as soon as they made the final, yeah. they were not going to fire Adrian Heath. So he was definitely going to get a new deal. What I find super interesting about this deal is. This is not long-term at all. And they nope. waited until most of the way through the offseason to give it to him. So he functionally is getting this year, which we sort of knew he was going to get. He's getting 2021, and this is still very much a show-me contract. You know, he's been saying, hey, I need, you know, I assume behind the scenes saying, hey, I need more say in this. And honestly, I have no problem with a, a head coach having a fair amount of say in player acquisition. Ultimately, they're going to be the ones that have to get the talent out of them, so that's that's fine by me. So the fact that they Minnesota United basically said, okay, we're going to give you the responsibility that you've been asking for, that's fine. They're not actually giving him that much time. I mean, if either by injury or by poor play, United is really bad this year, 2021 becomes once again this make-or-break year for him. So honestly... If I look, if I were Adrian Heath and I had his chip on his shoulder, which we can all agree is the size of a fucking backhoe hole, I'd be a little bit pissed that I didn't get three to four guaranteed years, option for a fifth. Okay, yeah, that's kind of you know you don't want to commit to a coach for too long. That's sort of fine. Two guaranteed years with an option with a third is basically Bill McGuire and the ownership group saying, "You said it was a three-year plan, and you did fine." Let's get another three-year plan out of you. We're not giving you any more time than that. I'm actually okay with the wait-and-see approach. Um, I've said 
many times as an Everton fan, love Inchi the player, despise Inchi the coach, but the jury's out. Do I hate Inchi the coach, or do I just hate Inchi the coach under a soft open and very little say in like acquisitions? Maybe this Inchi the coach I'll like better. So I'm going to reserve a little bit of judgment, but I still like the sort of reserved not uh, lucrative deal that they gave he uh, I like the show me aspect of it yeah absolutely so I've obviously been driving the Heath out choo-choo train for uh, three and a half years pretty much um, I'm firmly on a Heath out uh, choo-choo train um, and you can join me as, 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 as you want you can jump off if you want if you want to uh, go uh, suck the you know fillet, fillet the, the manager or whatever you can jump off and, and do that um, it's fine. It's cool. You can jump back on whenever you want. I'm I'm non-judgmental, non-judgmental. Obviously, we knew this was happening. Like, I think you're right, Dan. I'm not sure if it was the semifinals, but for sure when they made the U.S. Open Cup final and hosted a home playoff game, this I think every I think every, I think all of us even even uh, us most diehard uh, Heath out people um, were. Very much of the mission. Okay, he's definitely going to get an extension. And and to be fair, and to Adrian Heath's credit, like I want, I want to want. I don't. I wouldn't want to manage if I only knew I had one year, right? Like you definitely want that extension. Um, you want that control about players. Now the thing that it, that some of my very good friends have mentioned to me, um, some of the very best people, he's got he's got all of the he's got all of the the control now. He has he's we've given him all the rope. We we sent him to the rope store. He bought all the rope. He's going now. He's got he's got all the rope from the rope store. Um, so that's like the one. So what's the magic? The trick? one uh, the one good the one good sign is that uh, you know rope store um, and all that. Is is this going to be good for Minnesota United? I don't I don't know. People I there's one there's a f- fucking asshole on the uh, uh, athletic who <laughs> Malachi. <laughs> Comments on uh, all of the uh, athletic uh, Jeff Rude articles, and just like is like Adrian Heath. I don't know. He must be like Adrian Heath's like dick boy or something. Um, oh, he's a Adrian Heath apologist. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know. He's like super super hardcore. Like yeah. I think he's just. I think he's mostly just sucking Adrian Heath's dick all the time. And that's. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. Do you do you, Malachi? It's fine. Um, but I just. I'm 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 not sold, and and I I won't be sold. But I'm here's the thing, like. When eight, when they they did well last year, they they figured it out. They fucking figured the shit out, and you know you give him better players, he does okay with better players. So I, I completely agree that after they had made the Open Cup final and they had the home playoff, it was a done deal that he was going to get some sort of extension. What really surprised me was the front office slash coaching carousel uh the shuffling of the of the chairs no longer on the titanic um but the shuffling of the deck chairs if you will where mark watson's going to the technical director let's let's talk about that so um, so lot lot manny lagos is going is now being more involved with the academy yeah um and in the reserve side heath is now gaining more power and that's what kind of uh rope store yeah, going to the yeah. rope store. Yeah, <laughs> he's got all the rope. And, Here's from when when and, and he will hang himself. When when Martin and I went to the rope store, we we went to the rope store with a very 
a very defined uh, purpose of hanging ourselves. Uh, he's going to the rope store. He's like, oh, look at all this fucking awesome rope. I guess buy all the rope. And then uh, and then he's then he's actually going to hang himself, which I think would be great. Let's and get rope burn all the way like down because he doesn't burn. know what, what he's buying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Uh, so uh, they brought in Shane McCauley um, as he's number two. Um, but, by the way... You know, Macaulay's great and all, but I really did not know that, uh, you know, the, the kid from Home Alone has grown up. I know he's an adult, but I didn't know he knew anything about soccer. <laughs> so we have to booby trap Allianz. We know who to go to. Exactly. Uh, so Macaulay, uh, he was previously with or- uh, Orlando for the last two years, uh, was James O'Connor's assistant, um, who was Heath's assistant. Uh, when uh, he was coaching in Orlando, and then he was in Portland from uh, 2012 to 2018. Um, MJ, I think you put some notes in here about uh, about McCauley. Uh, he used to be a defender, so this kind of replaces the Mark Watson role, uh, uh, who has been bumped up to technical director. technical director. Yep. So, so Mark Watson was the former uh, back slash defensive mind. Um, I'm actually excited to see a new defensive mind. Um, uh, with um, a like a Gregus, uh, an Aussie, uh, Ikapara. Um, I'm very, very much uh, a Chase Gasper, Metinair. I'm really excited to see as kind of the defensive brains if we can get some of our zonal marking, our weak side marking, um, just in general better defense, um, if that can improve. Um, I'm also really excited that although I've made jokes about this, that Adrian Heath has this great quote about that he's a people person, um, he's someone that can serve as a go-between between me and the players, and I think that's great because I don't think Adrian Heath is the best at being a people person. I think he needs to go to interview camp. I think he needs to like learn how to handle the media, learn how to handle a lot of things with fans, um, and so maybe also the players. So if this person can serve as, hey, this is what Adrian Heath said. This is what he means. You know, I think that's, I think that holds promise. I, I'm, I'm excited about this signing. Cool. All right, well, let's uh, very quickly through some other MLS stuff. Um, Michael Bradley is out four months with right ankle surgery that he had right after the final. He's apparently still out, so that's um, not great. Uh, for those who don't remember in the MLS Cup final, uh, Seattle's uh, Roman Torres had a uh, follow-through um, the shot didn't even go on net, uh, he, and, but like the boot, his follow-through hit his ankle. Um, Josie Altidore has come out and made a statement that he thinks that Toronto really botched the whole like medical evaluation or recovery, like something about the timeline he wasn't happy about. So uh, it's not a, a big deal for Minnesota United, but it's MLS news, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the other big piece of news that we should talk about is uh, LA Galaxy signing Chicharito. Um, who has been rumored to MLS for many, many years. Ever. Yeah, basically since MLS has been going on and Chicharito has been a thing. Um, so he's replacing Zlatan uh, in the uh, LA Galaxy. And actually, I think... Superstar role. I think Chicharito is actually going to be better for the LA Galaxy as a whole than Zlatan was. Zlatan, wait a minute, wait Z- a minute. Zlatan is better for MLS... But, you know, obviously, I think Chicharito um, is, will be better for the Galaxy in, in terms of, like, trying to win back some of the Hispanic fan base that they uh, – and the Mexican fan base that they have – or they had that maybe shifted over to uh, LAFC. No one can drum up controversy and, you know, market MLS and market LA Galaxy 
like a Zlatan, you know. Yeah, but uh, but ultimately, I think Chicharito is better for MLS in terms of in terms of the fan base yes, they actually yes, want. I, in terms you, of yeah, you know, so like you're being facetious, okay? The, the, the LA Galaxy, the, the LA Galaxy will benefit tactically. You know, he's a better player. He shares the ball more. He has better field vision. He shares the ball. Period. Period. Slides <laughs> does not do that. Yeah, this is not does. a. This is not a better and worse. This is does or doesn't. Yeah. Honestly, like the the El Traficos last year were some of the best games in MLS. They were yeah, absolutely they were. phenomenal games. The atmosphere was incredible. I am seriously thinking about flying to LA for an El Trafico now because as good as they were last year, it is going to go to the next fucking level with Vela versus Chicharito. If they can both stay healthy, they are like that is going to be an absolute epic battle between the two and I cannot wait. From a Minnesota United standpoint, I hate that signing to hell because it's another team that finished below United last year that have gotten a lot better. A lot better. A lot better. Uh, and then finally, uh, before we take our next break, uh, the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, so Ernie Stewart hired Brian McBride as a GM of the U.S. Men's National Team, which means he oversees the men's national team. Um, and that's pretty much about it. Which is weird because Kate Margraff, who is hired as basically the, the same level as Brian McBride, actually oversees all of the U.S. women's development Brian McBride is basically in charge of the uh, the men's national team. Senior squad only. Senior squad only uh, in terms of who's brought in, who's not brought in, um, with Ernie Stewart overseeing everything. I would, just, I would love to see the fucking org chart uh, at U.S. Soccer because cause Ernie Stewart over, oversees everything, but Kate Margraff has way more responsibility. How than familiar are you with the work of Jackson Pollock? I mean, <laughs> intimately familiar with that. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a spray chart. Yeah, oh, I mean... So for a couple of years, the the shoe company Zappos got rid of all uh, not job titles but all seniority. They flattened their org chart. It was a full holacracy, and it lasted for like six months because they realized it made no fucking sense. Uh, I sincerely applaud them for the effort. It did not fucking work, not even a little bit. And so they ditched it after like yeah, seriously, about six months after about a three year plan. They're like, we're gonna do this, and then they didn't. Uh, I assume U.S. soccer is very much the same way. They're bringing in a bunch of people. They've got so many holes to fill. Are we still missing like five coaches for youth? Teams? Yeah, you, yeah, we're still like yeah. There's like still like three or four youth coaches so there, on the, both the men's and women's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the youth setup it, it should be in way better shape than it is. Thank you, Jurgen Klinsmann, for not paying attention to that. So I feel like what we're seeing right now is panic, and Brian McBride. <laughs> we know panic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Minnesota United knows panic. Please, U.S. soccer, start recruiting Minnesotans. Um, Brian McBride, whatever you think about his organizational ability or his ability to GM an organization that neither acquires players nor sells them, is a big name, and he's out there. And if you listen to his the way he talks about joining the position, honestly, his head's in a great place. Whether this makes any sense with the organization they have drawn up i think bringing him into the u.s soccer fold is a great idea i think he's going to serve this the the nation really effectively but they've really got to figure the ship out there because it's in bad shape i think it's interesting that the so both brian mcbride and kate margraff uh were uh personalities tv personalities i think it's i think it's it's it speaks a lot to what they're trying to do in terms of like um Redeveloping the uh, 
public uh, image. The public image of so- of U.S. Face. soccer. Yeah. So it's people who are familiar faces. People who are um, who've who've been you know been in World Cup teams and you know in Kate Margrave's space World Cup winners. Um, and it's people who who understand the business of the media. I think that is actually speaks uh, that that is actually probably the the biggest thing that we should take away from this. And you guys may differ on this, but normally I do not like when uh, a striker gets promoted to a a front office role or a head coaching role, like you know someone who's a center back or a six or an eight or a goalkeeper, someone who sees the whole pitch a lot, really understands tactics front to bat, going forward and going backward. That's get off, who, get, that's off who, get off Casey Keller's dick, buddy. That's who I want. I was thinking Tony Miola. No. Um. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, get off, get off Tony Miola's dick, buddy. No, no. Okay, so but Brian McBride, through his uh, being a television personality, to me has proven that he has a decent soccer IQ, that he knows the game, um, and so I feel like even though he's a striker or forward, this could work out. Emphasis on could. There's also a lot of banter and you know hubbub about. Him kind of being in with the uh, Ber- Berghalters, that he's like one of the old boys club, what have you. So we'll see how it works. We'll see how it works. All right. At the end of the day, these jobs are really about what you produce. And, you know, McBride can have great strategy and can deal well with the media and can do this, that, and the other. If the U.S. doesn't make the Olympics and, God forbid, doesn't qualify for the World Cup again, he will not have a job. Like, it's pretty much that simple. So... He knows the, the path laid out in front of him, and uh, more power to him. Honestly, I think this is one of the very rare times where the three of us are united in really hoping that no matter what we think of the hiring, good, bad, or indifferent, we're really, really hoping it's going to work out. Uh, yeah. Also, consider this last segment, MJ, uh, pure straight hating on Thierry Henry in Montreal. <laughs> I see you, MJ. I know your mind. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll we'll take a break and we'll come back. We'll do uh, EPL, some world football, and then answer your questions. All right, and we're back, and we're gonna chat some uh, EPL. Um, who wants to go first uh, with your with your team? I can jump on this. Uh, Arsenal obviously not quite playing well. They are, they are, however, playing much better. The results aren't there yet, but this team is not viscerally painful to watch anymore. That's good. And I, it's, it's a huge improvement. I mean, we don't talk a lot about this, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. Being an American soccer fan was rough. For a number of years, MLS was not at the quality or it was super enjoyable to watch. NASL was seldom on broadcast, which meant you were dragging your ass up at 6.30 in the morning to watch hopefully your club or maybe not. Or maybe you were streaming your club in Arabic, French, Chinese. I can't count the the number of languages I've watched Arsenal in. So... (laughs) There really is a sacrifice. If you're going to actually cheer for a European club team, there really is some sacrifice that goes into it. 
So the fact that Arsenal is going to be bad this year, I've certainly made peace with. The fact that they're no longer literally offensive to get up and watch, I'm really excited about. Uh, and you've heard the Mikel Arteta effect. It, it really is. I really do think he's going to be a great coach. Um, and not to coin, uh, not to steal Adrian Heath's phrase about Thomas Chacon, uh, but similar mentality. He was really signed for five years, not five months. Right. So um, I'm excited. You, you, Gabriel you, Martinelli is the truth. This is an 18 year old kid from Brazil. If you're not watching a lot of Arsenal games, so I can't blame you. For no, I'm not. Yeah, the, the kid scores pretty well at will. He's going to be really, really good. Expect him to be the next Gabriel Jesus for the next couple of years. Pretty confident for a 10th place team. Now moving on to the 11th place team. I hate so much about what you choose to be. <laughs> <laughs> you're really cherry picking stats here. Um, Am I? Well, Arsenal so uh, has 29 points. You also have 29 points. Yeah, they have the goal differential. They have the goal differential. You have, uh, you have, uh, you. If you doubled, if you combined your teams, you would not have as many points as uh, the top team in the league right now. I can't wait to find out that Liverpool is financially doping this. I'm so excited about you vacating this trophy. You have no fucking clue. <laughs> if UEFA decides some financial fair play rule against this whole season, I'd be totally fine with it. That said, fucking bring it. Suck no, my we, dick, we, FIFA. We we were we were Everton w was in the relegation zone. They were, uh, you know, getting big dunk to take charge, put a little more pep in the step. Now getting Carlo Ancelotti, things are kind of coming together. Uh, I like Ancelotti for you guys, honestly. I really I do. A, the, uh, the fact that Moshiri claims he's been trying to sign him for for years. You know, the, that, that was the pick they wanted. Couldn't get him at the time. He chose to go to uh, Napoli. You know, now they have him. I think it's a good fit. I think he can get Everton to the, the next rung, if you will, whatever that is, whether that's Europa, you know, what have you. I think he can get Everton there. Um, he definitely has gotten them out of relegation, like now in 11th. That's a huge improvement. Um, a lot of... Uh, Storylines with this last game. Most importantly, uh, they were going to West Ham. West Ham recently, uh, well, 18 months ago, they fired David Moyes to bring in Manuel Pellegrini, former Man City coach. Um, and then a year and a half later, they fired Man Manuel Pellegrini and bring Moyes back. Uh, for those who don't know, David Moyes also coached Everton for a long period of time. And Manchester United for a disastrous spell that we all wish had continued for much longer. I mean, it's, it's still going. Let's, 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 uh, let's be fair. Um, but, uh, you know, Everton comes away with a 1-1 draw. Uh, it would be nice to get three points because Arsenal also come away with a 1-1 draw. So... We've, we've drawn two games on deflected goals, and I wish I could tell you that this was somehow unfamiliar to me. This is the Arsenal special. You dominate 95% of the game, and in the remaining 5%, you give up either some 17-year-old striker's wonder goal every fucking year against Southampton on Boxing Day. <laughs> Go back and look it up. It's happened multiple times. Or deflected goals. This is the Arsenal special. An Arsenal special is score a great goal, a wonderful goal, a good team goal, and give up some slop-ass shit to split the points. 
So congratulations, Mikel Arteta has taken less than three months in charge to completely just bathe himself in the full Arsenal experience. Not that this is a drawing pissing contest, but Everton has you beat on the number of draws in the in the top level of, of, of English football. Yeah, you have ten. I feel like a drawing six. pissing contest is the weirdest rule set for Pictionary we can possibly imagine. That's also, <laughs> also but true. I'll say, I'll, I'll say this one last thing about Everton. One of the things you immediately notice watching a Carlo Ancelotti Everton is the way he rotates players in. He rests certain players. Um, when you have two to three games in a week with all the different English competitions, the way that he rotates players in and out, the way he changes formations depending on who's playing that day, what their strengths are, it's really refreshing. It's refreshing to see you realize what this same set of players could have been you know, under a better manager. The fact that he's got Dominic Calvert-Lewin turning into a real striker is yeah. reason enough for That's hope great. in and of itself. He's getting the ball with time and space to score goals. You know, we haven't seen that. So, I, I, This is the, the point in the podcast where I also point out that uh, you lost to the U-16s in the FA Cup. We did. The Liverpool U-16s. <laughs> the Liverpool U-16s. Diehard FA Cup the watchers FA Cup. in December. Um, all right. I, I Yes, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I don't want to spend a ton of time dunking on everybody. Um, but the team Liverpool is like they're pretty fucking good. They're real good, honestly. I mean, the title is wrapped up. Cop can start. And don't say that. Do not. Do not say that. It is not true. We will it, jinx it you. It absolutely. It is. is. Cop can start rotating the squad quite a bit and worrying about Champions League. Honestly, at this point. The only thing I care about vis-a-vis Liverpool and their run to the title is that someone beats them. This is, this you is want the unbeatable. <laughs> this is this is Arsenal's. I don't care prize. if it's Leicester. I don't care if it's Man City. So we, we don't play Honestly, Leicester again. We we do play Man City. So we have we have two Sheffield United. We, we have two. Yeah. Uh, we have They're two very. So like we play actually this Thursday we play Wolves at the Molyneux. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a little worried about that game. Like it's Wolves play really well uh, at home, um, and then we play City at the Etihad. Although Crystal Palace just went to the Etihad and uh, drew two two with uh, Man <laughs> right. City, so which is actually a step down from last year. Yeah, when they, when beat, they beat City, they beat City at the Etihad. Yeah, um, Liverpool hasn't lost a uh, uh, Premier League match in uh, 39, so they've been they went basically an entire season undefeated, more or less. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm I'm I'm. I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic. Honestly, uh, for a quadruple this year. So Liverpool has another game against and Arsenal. Century quintuple. Is that? I think it's. I think it's at. I think it's at. Uh, I think it's at, at Anfield. At, oh, at Anfield. I think it's at Anfield. Yeah. That is the one game that I would, I would hope Mikel Arteta could get Arsenal up for. I don't know. Oh that's no! It, no, it is. It is at. It is at. Uh, it is at, at the Emirates. Emirates. Yep. Emirates. Like that's, There you go. If, if you can't get up for, hey, we should away this entire season, but we have a chance to ruin another team's shot at history, come on, Arsenal. So I, like, show up. So Liverpool I, still may, may well win that game. Oh, yeah, no. This, I, think, I, think, I think they will have the, the Premier League clinch by that point. So here's, my, so here's some fun facts. Um, Liverpool is four points away from not being relegated. Like their magic numbers are four points from no relegation, twenty points for Champions League qualification, and thirty points from the title. So they just need to uh, either have either have Man City drop 
30 points or Liverpool win 30 points or some combination therein. If you don't know what magic numbers are, um, and to, in order to win the title, they could they could theoretically win the title uh, on March uh, 14th against Everton at Goodison. That is a it's that's well within play. Oh my goodness! I hope that that is happen. well within play. Um, to go back so, to your Liverpool Arsenal spat. For those that don't know, as the only blue here, to see two red teams spat over this. If you don't know which red team I'm cheering for, reminder: I'm an Everton fan. Yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, I, I, I just I want to wrap, like, you know, r- wrap rhapsodically about Liverpool all the time, and I know it's kind of the uh, kind of sucks. Um, let's talk about some other teams. Uh, Man City dropping to dropping points to Crystal Palace at home. I mean, Palace, Palace is a sneaky they're, good team. They're sneaky good, they, yes. And they have been a sneaky good team for a long time. Yes, they are, yeah. Do they still have Benteke? They do. I, I believe technically, so, so, yes. So, yes. He's not playing for them, though, really. He's on the bench a lot. Yeah. But every time they bring him on in, like, the 80th minute, to me, when I watch Crystal Palace, he ends up scoring a goal. And then Wilfred Zaha, the ageless wonder, you know, like, Zaha just keeps scoring goals. Zaha is, is really one of the best players that probably most casual soccer fans don't watch because Palace doesn't get a lot of TV time. His ability, though, vis-a-vis Palace's squad as it is set up today, Wilfred Zaha's number one skill to that team is his ability to draw penalties. There's no one on the side that can finish goals, although Sanctosin uh, scored their first goal with City, and I'm interested to see how he does there. Former Everton player, there's your yes. tie-in. Lone? Was that a sailor Turkish. alone? Yeah, it, but was the was it a sale or a loan? I believe it was a sale. Okay, so you know that that could be an interesting addition for them. Uh, but look, that team that team's offense boils down to: Does Wilfred Zaha have it in his legs on that day to beat four defenders off the dribble? And honestly, what seven out of ten times he does? He does, yeah. He yes, does. that's that's the amazing part. And so, if you're a fantasy soccer player at all, you have to roster Milivojevic who is their penalty taker. Because it's like every other game, Zaha drives into the box, somebody takes out his knee, and Milivojevic is the one that scores goals. Yep. It's, it is unbelievable. So Palace is a, is a certainly an underrated squad, but City just doesn't... They don't look right. They look like a Porsche if you pulled out three of the cylinders and put in live ducks. Like, it still <laughs> sort of works, but not really, and it's making some noises you're not comfortable with. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they... Just not revamping their defense with uh, when Vincent Company left, and and I mean obviously with uh, Laporte getting injured early this season, That's certainly a big, big injury definitely hurt them. Um, he should be back though. He should be back soon. soon. And, but I think honestly uh, they're, and I don't know if they're, but it, they're, it sounds like you know they brought in Pep Guardiola to win the Champions League, which they've not been able to get even close to um, outside of the semifinals last year, closest they ever got to getting close to a Champions League final. Um, so, you know, Pep says he's he's in it for the long haul. I mean, who who the hell knows? No, no, he recently said he's in for next season, and yeah. then we'll see. Okay. <laughs> that was his most recent. All right, uh, let's talk. But, and, and one uh, last. Correction, uh, Sanctosin was loaned to Crystal Palace. My bad. Okay. Um, all right, Tot- MJ put this in the notes. Tottenham Coldspur. Uh, this is just for Wes. This is, yeah. I mean, why, why are we uh, talking about Wes on our podcast? But anyways, they suck. For those that care about Tottenham Coltsburg. Wes doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, 
Tottenhauser sucks ass. Uh, sorry, Wes. Your team sucks uh, ass. No, the, so... No, they like, suck ass. Wh what do you need to light a fire? You need a striker, right? To light a fire, you need, like... You need a striker, and... and, and don't, it's, don't, it's, don't. It's just Colts. stop. You don't like my pun. Just stop. <laughs> yep. All right. It's, it's Tottenham Coltsburg. Like, they don't have Harry Kane, and they don't have someone on the bench to replace him with. They are one of three teams in England's top four divisions that have not scored a 2020 goal yet. And That's fucking a, hilarious. Yeah, it was a fucking great stat. Shout out David Wires. <laughs> Weirs. All right. Uh, I the last name right. Last, so, oh, it's yeah. not going to get better. That's the thing. Oh, yeah, there's no depth. Levy is not spending in this window. Spurs went into the season, I think, with legitimate title dreams, if not realistic thoughts. They may legitimately not qualify for Europe. Yeah. The, there's a there's an amazing battle this year. Liverpool is running away with the title. The title race is not interesting. The last three Champions League places yes. is kind of a, it, it's a it's a it's a fight like that's a real boxing match, and then the Europa League places are an absolute slap fight, and it's legitimately enjoyable to watch because it's not a given for the first time in about a decade. And, and we're seeing teams that we don't usually see up in the top ten, top five, six. Shout out Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Uh, uh, Leicester City. The uh, 20, 2018 champions, it should be noted. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, like, 2016. Chelsea in the fourth spot is closer to relegation than they are to Liverpool. And that's not even, like, a trick and, of the points. Like, it's not that yeah. Chelsea looks great but had a weird yeah. cold spurt. They look closer to a relegation yeah. team than they look to Liverpool. Yeah, your teams are... Your two teams are closer to relegation than they are to the fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, philosophically, so, like, that feels about right. Yeah. Be, I mean, but be that as it may, West Ham is getting relegated, and I'm super excited about it. Are you You think they're getting what, relegated? Have you watched West Ham play? They're uh, legitimately bad. I have not. I glad we Our game in hand is against West Ham, so it's a 16-point lead right now at the Tampa table. Should be 19 points way, real soon. For those that didn't listen to earlier editions of this podcast, I predicted that Norwich would somehow get out of the, the basement. That's true, and that, 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 that is that's not, not happening. Not happening. That is, so I will admit that I was wrong, and I will admit that with if I were a betting man, I would not – uh, I would not pick them to escape relegation. Right. So well, I was wrong, but I do th I do still think West Ham's going to drop down there. All right. Well, let's bet some shit. Uh, uh, yeah. we, we we talk a little bit yeah. if we want about Barcelona. Um, they uh, <laughs> unceremoniously fired uh, Ernesto Valverde um, and hired a uh, so Enrique, <laughs> otherwise known as Kiki. Uh, yeah. Uh, Setien, which to me sounds like a vegan dish somewhere, but uh, you know. They hired a guy that comes from, uh, I believe, Real Betis. Betis, yeah. Yeah, yeah Betis, yes. So uh, mostly because ever like Ronald Koeman and uh, Xavi were basically like, we're not going to take this job in the middle of the year, and so I think they hired they hired they hired a a, a, a placeholder. Right. Well, someone who like got a team like uh, Real Betis into Europa, a team that has no business getting into Europa. Uh, so they thought, hey, somewhat proven track record, and and then this last game, even though they only won one nil on a messy goal against Granada, 
a team that. Uh, uh, Hello, Mata. <laughs> Hello, Fada. <laughs> Messi scored against. <laughs> Shitty Granada. <laughs> a All team right. that Barcelona should not struggle against. Yeah. They win 1 0. Apparently, tops the chart of number of passes attempt. <laughs> so, for those that were missing Tiki Taka, you know, you were seeing like all the coaches from that after Pep left were trying to do more uh, Premier League type things, doing crosses into the box and other things with Barcelona. Those that wanted the Tiki Taka back. A shitty, a shitty version of Tiki Taka? Tiki Taka's back. Shitty version or not, Tiki Taka's right. back. All right, so. Uh we're we're gonna introduce a segment on this uh, podcast where we're gonna talk about some uh, bets on soccer. So if you are uh, uh, of the persuasion who wants to uh, gamble uh, on the world of soccer, me and Dan Wade are very much of the persuasion of gambling on the world of soccer. MJ, I'm not sure so much, but we'll talk I know about what over under means. Okay, I, I think I get a pass. All right, um, I have family members who listen to this podcast. It should be noted I've literally never bet. Real American dollars on this, Enter, but enter- I run positive on DFS uh, every year. So. En- entertainment purposes only. Entertainment purposes only. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Yes, it's, I mean it's like flipper entertainment yeah. purposes. So uh, I, I have not been able to find MLS futures uh, in terms of who's going to win the league. Yeah, weird, that's, that's weird, some degenerate ass <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I did find some futures on uh, some upcoming uh, tournaments that are going to happen uh, in the summer. Um, we'll start off with uh, the UFA Champions League final. Um, Barcelona and Liverpool are obviously tied at four to one to win the uh, UFA Champions League. Uh, Man City's nine to two. PSG seven to one. Bayern seven to one. Juventus uh, nine to one. Uh, Real Madrid sixteen to one. Tottenham twenty five to one. So they basically have all the teams that are listed. Um, you know, if I was gonna, if I was a betting man um, for entertainment purposes only. Um, Borussia Dortmund sits at fifty to one as a, as a winner of this tournament, and we've seen uh, Liverpool. They made it to the final two years in a row. Um, I'm, I don't think they're going to make it to the final this year. Um, I think they'll beat Atletico in the uh, next round, but I think they're really focused on winning the fucking the Premier League. Um, if I had some, if I had some uh, extra money to to roll around, throw around, I would. Uh, so, I mean, if I'm gonna Entertainment purposes only. I'm going to put money on Borussia Dortmund um, at 50 to one uh, to take this in the uh, Champions League final. You guys have any other thoughts on Champions League? You know, we've heard Pep Guardiola in public say that he's basically conceded the league. Uh, we know he was brought into Manchester City to win the Champions League. You know, that's it's an extremely talented Man City squad. They've dealt with some injuries this year in a way they haven't done in the past. If Pep can sit him down and basically say, look, we're going to play hard in the league because we owe that to the fans, but fuck it. Let's go hard and let's win the fucking Champions League. I really believe in that squad. I know they've been inconsistent this year. I know they got beat by fucking Crystal Palace in the league. Yeah. But, you know, they may have they may stumble against a Sheffield United. They may drop points to a Leicester. They will drop points to Leicester. I'll guarantee that. <laughs> But I honestly think they'll go into the Champions League with their hair on fire, and I think they can win it. That's an interesting bet they, to me. They do have Real Madrid in the next round, who's at 16-1. to So, honestly, I would bet on whoever wins that game. Like, if I was going to put money now, it's on City, and then I would re-bet with whoever wins that game. MJ, do you have any other thoughts um, on Champions I really, League? I really like uh, both, for bargain bets, 
the kind of the Atletico Madrid uh, uh, rosin, you think you're going to beat Liverpool? Ro- rosin ball sp- sport uh, Leipzig. Leipzig would be would actually be good because they're playing. Uh, they got fucking Leon or who do they have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Who's worth it? mentioning that they got to this point because they had Erling Braun Holland. And yeah. now they don't. No, no, that's that, true. That's that was that was Salzburg. That was Salzburg. That was ah, that was, that was Red Bull Leipzig. Salzburg. Yeah. yeah, all the energy. The green. other Red Bull. The squad. other Red Bull. I mean, it really is like with the Champions League, it's all it's all a draw now. So it, you know, if you put money on like Leipzig, I think that actually would make a lot of sense because you know they they might get you know if if you know say thirty to one Liverpool Liverpool's not uh uh they're not focused on it. They're really focused on Champions or on uh, the Premier League. And then they lose, and then uh, then yeah, then Atletico goes in. Then maybe Atletico and Le- Leipzig get drawn together. I don't think either of those teams are going to win win it outright. I just think as a bargain bet, yeah. I like those more than the forty to one Chelsea right. or the fifty one Dortmund. Well, let's talk quickly about uh, Europa League. Uh, Manchester United is the odds on favorite. They're eleven to two. Uh, Dan, your Arsenal is seven to one to win it. Uh, Sevilla six to one. Ajax and Inter Milan are fifteen to two. I like actually both. Uh, Ajax and Inter Milan to win the uh, Europa League at fifteen to two. I think that's a I think both actually of those are great. great great value. Yeah. Both of those are really strong bets. Uh, betting on Manchester United at this point is throwing money away. They yeah. have injuries that they're dealing with. They're super inconsistent. In any given game, they can play pretty pretty well and give somebody a strong game. But they've not shown consistently this year that they can get up for multiple games within a week, within a month. And so winning a two-legged tie, I don't really believe in them being able to do. They may sneak out a 3-2 win against somebody only to get blown out 4-1 in the return. Yeah. Like, um, Inter is who I would throw the money on now and particularly think of Christian Eriksen in this window. Yeah, in terms of uh, longer bets, FC Porto and Celtic are 40-1. Uh, to 1. I could see, you know, depending on uh, draws and stuff, uh, either of those two teams – if you, want, if you have uh, some extra cash to splash around, um, FC like, Porto like and Celtic. I like Olympiacos a little bit more than Celtic, but yeah. Yeah, Olympiacos is at 100-1. So that would be uh, a very, uh, very good uh, uh They just I, always surprise me. Well, yeah. and I think it's a legitimate shot to get past Arsenal. And at that point, it really is about draw. I think they can kind of sneak the draw all the way through. And then, look, they're a very defensively organized squad. They always are. And they can upset teams that really want to run offensively, uh, free flowing. Look, I, we all know what happened in 2004 when Greece ran to the European Championship. <laughs> Fuck Greece, that yeah, I fucking mean, team. Oh, true. Their set pieces were so pretty, though. Yeah, yeah they were. And Olympiakos isn't that good, but we know what can happen when really strongly defend, organ, uh, strongly organized defensive squads run up against free-flowing offenses, the are defense you, usually wins. Are you saying you didn't enjoy seeing Cristiano Ronaldo in tears? I mean, I, portu- obviously portu- I did, Peripheral yes. benefit obviously. to an otherwise negative outcome. Come on. Yeah. All right, and then uh, the last we'll talk about um, for this podcast is uh, Euro 2020, which is uh, a long ways away. It's uh, six months away. But uh, England right now is the odds-on favorite to win Euro 2020. They're at four to one. Just set your money on fire. Yeah, Belgium <laughs> is at eleven to two. Uh, France, the uh, World Cup holders right now, are six to one. Uh, the Netherlands are at thirteen to two. Hilarious. Spain, Germany, Italy, Portugal, Croatia, sort of round out the top eight. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Netherlands at thirteen to two, and I'm saying, um, yeah, you're, you're fuck, Netherlands fan. Fuck like- yeah, man. I like uh, Spain and Germany at eight and nine to one, um, and then I would I would take Belgium or France over England easily. Yeah, I'm really surprised England's running that high, especially because 
We don't know if Harry, Harry Kane's going to play in the, we, in the we tournament. We don't know if Harry Kane's going to play. Marcus Rashford has fallen off uh, a little bit. Uh, he looks appeared. He appears to be unsettled at Manchester United. So who knows where his head's at? Like that's betting favorites. Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna bet favorites, bet Barcelona, bet Liverpool. Yeah, bet God, bet Liverpool. As much as I hate to admit it, yeah, bet, I, I don't like it either. Bet Bayern Munich, but. Don't do it in, in nationals, particularly when there's an injury crisis. Like yeah. if you're throwing money at Euros at this point, what you are, what you should expect to happen is Lukaku to blow both knees, Eden Hazard to start on fire in Belgium to completely drop down the rankings. This is tough money to play right yeah. now, particularly when we don't have the full qualification. Sure, uh, we, I, was, we I, play. I was literally going to say Iceland and Ireland are at two hundred to one both, um, and uh, I mean I don't know I would. I would throw a couple bucks at Iceland at two hundred to one. Uh, um, World Cup runner-up uh, uh, Croatia, Croatia at, at twenty-five to one. That's uh, that's also not. Uh, that's they are kind of tempting. They are they're one of the teams that's actually in the tournament so uh, far. Like, we we know that. Um, like Rakitic and Modric and yeah, gun to my head. Hey, you got to make a hundred bucks on this tournament. I'd probably split bets between Germany and Belgium at this point. Yeah, I think I think Germany lost a fair amount of pride with the way that they went out of the World Cup. I expect them to bounce back. They're always a talented squad. The flip side is, I still don't know what system they're running. I don't know how they're plugging pieces in. The flip flip side is, whereas they were counting on Timo Werner last time, who is a, a great striker. Don't get me wrong, but did not show necessarily all that well. Serge Gnabry. Former Arsenal player broke my heart when he left. Has been tearing it up for Bayern, and I'm super excited to see him play in an international competition. All right, um, we got some fucking answers. So that's your that was your uh, a lot of questions. Uh, your uh, entertainment purposes only section of the podcast. Um, so uh, Mark Fangmeyer, uh, Mr. Fangmeyer, is is Grimio going to pull the rug out from under MNUFC in regards to Luis Amaria? Mark, you're the person who should know this fucking answer to this exactly. question. Why are you asking us? The one thing we do know from this saga is that Amaria came out and said he would rather play for Cola-Cola than come to the U.S. So the fact that there is another really highly regarded South American club in for the player, I think does. I think it's entirely possible. I wish I had a better sense of how, uh, of, of how far along this was. We've heard everywhere from Jeff Reuter saying it's 50-50 to Jerry Zagoda basically already penciling him into the starting lineup. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, there's a huge difference between those two. I think Gremio is making a good faith offer for the player. Gun to my head. I think he gets done for Minnesota United. All right. Uh, so at LaCribs, our friend Andy asked, how do you find looking fellows like MNUFC's relationship with so far with Madison, uh, for Madison? Um, any changes so far so good? I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say I think it's 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 decent. Um, I would like uh, some more consistent playing time for certain players. Um, they gave White Olmsberg pretty much uh, the run of the land. Uh, yes. And... Which is great, and if we have a relationship like that where we get uh, Billingsley, maybe just run of the land, like just let him play every fucking game, I think it'd be great. And I think um, having a relationship with with a team that is so close is beneficial to us. So there's there's some pros and cons here. Would I like them to be in USL Championship rather than USL One? Yes. Would I like them to be playing better teams and and being at a higher level? Yes. But the geographic uh, closeness. Is is really you? You can't put a price on that. 
being able to to bring players back and forth when it's only Minneapolis to, or St. Paul to Madison, you know. I think MJ's right. I think uh, the geographic closeness is a big deal. I think the relationship is good so far. Uh, yeah, the lack of super quality opponents is a, a little bit of a worrisome, but not long term. Honestly, I think we saw year one of the deal. We saw Forward Madison be in the first year of their existence. I think it'll be a smoother relationship this year, and I think going forward it'll be super positive. I would not at all be surprised to see United use Forward Madison in USL 1 and really cultivate younger talent, particularly as the academy grows up, and then have a stronger USL championship affiliate, whether it's a true Minnesota United 2 or whether it's a built-in relationship with somebody else. I think that's entirely possible. We can always hope. I, I will say this about Forward Madison, and this goes to everything that Peter Wilf and company helped build. I'm really, really jealous of their social media team. Um, what they've done in the offseason, um, both from a, an event-wise and social media team, they have Connor Tobin challenging people to uh, soccer tennis at beer and cheese festivals. You know, you know, is Minnesota United doing things like this? You know, they're having a lot of great social media interaction uh, about really silly things and serious things like player signings. Um, so don't worry, Minnesota United, I see you. I see you being clever. I see you throwing out cultural references, pop culture references, deeper, more literary references. I like it. But I think if you look at what Ford, Ford Madison is doing on a, on a social media standpoint, it's, it's so amazing. No, I mean, they're completely fantastic on social. Nobody can say otherwise. Um, like, as a social media pro, I, I envy them, and I completely appreciate how innovative they've been. I mean, they do a really phenomenal job. Uh, so... Adler Cribs also asks, uh, I should say, I don't know what Ed D-Wade looks like, but I imagine a cross between Patrick Swayze and Post Malone absolutely smoking, I'm sure. Dan, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I was once told when I was in journalism school that I was too ugly for radio. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, you've got a great face for radio. It's like a pretty common insult in journalism. Yeah, I'm uglier than that. Um, I was told I had a great face for print by uh, by one of my professors. This is actually an entirely true story. Uh, so, no, n- nothing related to Patrick Swayze is remotely right. I also don't look like Post Malone in that I know what a good tattoo looks like, and I've never let someone harm my body without <laughs> consent. That's fair. Uh, but honestly, if you're thinking of Chris Farley in uh, the Matt Foley motivational speaker, you're pretty fucking close. <laughs> But with a much more tasteful facial hair. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. And I've also never fallen through a table. Yeah. Um, so at Silviculture, that's Eric Silverbrenneman asks, uh, not a question, but a comment you may use. I mentioned 15 years old, six and a half, two, uh, 210 pounds to my son. And he goes, oh, he must have that thyroid disease that Andrew the Giant had. So keep growing and die at 22. Uh, just a comment. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. Um Jake Chawcraft asks, what is the largest carnivorous animal that Zeller thinks he could pin in a wrestling match? Um, I wanna, I'm going to interject here and say that Radiolab did a special this weekend, for those of you who listen to NPR, on Brett the Hitman Hart. And okay. mentioned that the Hart family, the wrestling stable in, in Calgary that WWF, now WWE, eventually bought from Brett, Brett Hart's father, that... 
they had a bear in Calgary, Alberta, that would they would practice wrestling against a bear. Okay. And that was a thing. Okay. So I so my my cats are carnivorous, and I definitely can pin my cats. Hey, that's a starting point. So that's how about a buzzard? A buzzard is carnivorous. Point. Could you could you pin a buzzard? Oh, absolutely. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the out in this is there's a lot of carnivorous animals that would not do well on land. Like, yeah. I really, honestly, I would I would pick you against a shark as long as it would say in Blackheart in the Blackheart Bar, or, yes, or in Alion <laughs> or in the water. Yeah. You're getting drowned. Oh yeah, 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 no, no, no. Uh, I, I also but can't. We're limiting this to mammals. I also can't. Is bad I also can't float. Um. Oh no! It's I definitely could. Yes, I. You know what? I I think I could pin. Uh, I think I could pin a wolf. No. Yes. Absolutely fucking not. Yes, I think I could. Have you seen a real life wolf? I've pinned dogs before. I've pinned some. I've pinned some. I've pinned some big ass dogs before. A red fox, but not a gray wolf or a timber wolf. I like. Look, here's the thing. If you had done a lynx. I was going to fight you on whether or not you could pin a lynx. So there is no way on fucking earth yeah. you are pinning a gray wolf. For that is well, not well, here's happening. The thing. For how long? How long do you have to, like, like a wrestling pin? Like, shoulders, shoulders Shoulder, down? Shoulders back, yeah. full three counts. I, yes, I could easily I could easily pin a fucking a, a wolf. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely 100%, 100%. not. 100%. Absolutely. Have you seen uh, the gray with no. Liam Neeson? Yes. No, I I've could do that. A fucking wolf. Yes. I know what they look like. Not a movie, movie wolf, with a real wolf. No, yeah, no, David. It was go up to Ely and go to the International Wolf Conservation Room, which, watch. by the way, I highly recommend, and look at their ambassador wolves and tell me, yeah, yeah, I could definitely watch, pin watch one of those. Watch the gray. I, I could pin a fucking wolf. All right, moving on. Um, Christian Pitchett asks, why does Zara always say wolves instead of wolves? I don't know. Inside joke on Wolverhampton. Potato, potato. I don't know. I, I say wolves in the way I say wolves. The silent L is a really weird factor yeah. of English wolves? language. I say wolves? folk. Like, I actually pronounce the L, and people yeah. think that's weird as shit. All so right. sometimes the L is good, and sometimes yeah. it's bad. All right. Temple of Loon asks, no talking about Heath until you each had Wait. four or five drinks. What? Sorry. You say, how do you pronounce folk? Folk. Okay. How, the, the inside yellow part of an egg? Yolk. Wow. Consistency. I like the consistency. It's funny. I've actually never thought of that before. All right. right. Temple Boone asks, no talking about Heath until you each have had four or five drinks. At what minute does Chicharito freak out Boxy when we play the Galaxy? Out of last year's rookie who has a sophomore slump. It's from Temple of the Loon. I want to correct the first question. At what point does Boxy drive Chicharito insane? That's fair. I feel like we should address the first bit, which is that's going to be Patreon content. If you would like us to get completely and utterly shithoused and talk about Adrian Heath, Please pledge several dollars a month, and we'll yeah. absolutely make that shit. I'm happen. happy to. I'm happy to yeah. do that anytime. Uh, honestly, or or, I, ju- or just find me at the black heart, and I will like wax reposodically about about Adrian. We're, Heath. we're trying to make money here. Yeah, that's right. Um, honestly, I think Chicharito is going to torment the Loons' back line. I think Zlatan was the exact type of player that we thrive against. Uh, I mean, it's a big back line with Ike and with Boxy, whether Coleman's in there. They're all entirely capable of bodying the hell out of somebody. Somebody who's like Chicharito, who's smaller, who's shiftier. I think Boxy is going to lose his mind trying to mark Chicharito. And honestly, I think our best case there is that uh, Metinair follows him all over the field and Chicharito gets super frustrated by being followed by what is more or less a Terminator in human flesh. Uh, Habla Espanol, anyone? 
Chicharito, does anyone know what that translates to? Little P. Oh, very good. So I just, I just found this out, and I took two years of Spanish in high school. That, that uh, uh, Chicharro, I think it's Chicharro, not Chicharro. There's an accent over the I. Accento over the L-E. So uh, Chicharro uh, is P, and Chicharito is therefore lit, little P. Great contribution. <laughs> um, not here for much. All right. David. I'm not uh, here uh, so uh, Boros Hill asks, uh, he's going to do a dance review called Sexy's Midnight Stunners, where we all dress like Dickensian street urchins and gradually disrobe to come on Eileen. Who wants in? I'm guessing this is uh, this is Luke. Of course Luke is going to do this thing. Uh, you guys want in on uh, uh, Dickensian street urchin uh, costumes and then Gradually disrobing to come on Eileen. As much as I love Dexy's Midnight Runners and Charles Dickens, that's a hard pass for me. <laughs> hard pass for me and everyone who knows me on my behalf. I, I actually. Uh, I mean, I'm in. I actually, I actually detest that that song, so I'm out. Okay. All right, Luke, I'm in. Fuck these assholes. All right, and then finally, uh, Atrox uh, on Twitter asks, why the shit do foreign players, agents, use MNUSC as trade leverage so often? Because we have a shitty-ass front office? Honestly, I think it's, you know, new stadium. They played really well last year. It's entirely plausible that United would be interested in any given player. They're not fully filled at any position. I mean, Keeper, I suppose, at this point, but that wasn't true even a week ago. So, I mean, it's wh- why do like why do teams use Minnesota, like uh, Man United as leverage or I mean any other have, big club? We have money. Yeah, we have a new stadium. We have money. There's not yeah. an obvious position we don't need at. So, sure. I mean, it's a plausible lie. Whatever Dan said. <laughs> okay. All right. That brings us to the end of the podcast, which is this has been a long ass fucking podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sticking around. If you have stuck around, um, you can always find us at davesandno.com, um, at tdikmn on Twitter. Uh, I am at Texas Eller. You can find Dan at D Wade. Uh, MJ is at MJ Matsui. It's uh, with two T's and an S U I at the end. Woo-hoo. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Preseason has started. Let's get this fucking thing. Going. Yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be doing these probably every Monday going forward. So. Get us your questions on Mondays, and yeah. And if you want to jump in on a live podcast, come on by the Blackheart. Uh, do not put that out there. Patreon.com backslash Dave Dino. do nothing at all. Oh, oh, yeah. We do our things, son. Long as you do yours, land here, become free, con. Yeah. We do our things, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Someone spray with a machine gun It's mad work to be done We, we, we do our thing, son, 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 son. I ain't nothing at all Y'all know we can't do